vous devrez gagner directement le compartiment voisin. Ceci est une mesure de précaution pendant la traversée. Merci de votre attention. That's the sound of the announcement that they make on le shuttle because once again I'm en route as they say <laughs> to the Le Mans 24 hours in an appropriate car and my co-driver for this trip is Chris Burdick from Automoblog. Hey Chris, excited? Couldn't be happier. That's all I need to know. So on this trip it's me and Chris and you're coming with me to the Le Mans 24 hours. This is Gareth Jones on speed. presents The Sound of Le Mans 2012, Part 1, The Journey to Le Mans. Remember to take your vehicle out of first gear once the shuttle has stopped. And do not start your engine until unloading begins. Don't forget to put your watches forward one hour and to drive on the right after leaving the terminal. We hope you have had a pleasant crossing with Eurotunnel and we look forward to seeing you again soon. So we're about an hour into the journey already, having left Le Shuttle behind and making our way across northern France on the Autoroute with a whole bunch of other cars. I say a whole bunch so that my co-driver on this particular trip to Le Mans will understand what I'm talking about. Chris, tell us a little bit about how you've ended up here at Le Mans, because you're a blogger, right? Right. I run Automoblog and have been for a little over six years now. And a few months ago, I decided to do a European trip. And I'm going around the different countries, going to car factories, motor museums, taking tours of the factories, doing drives, things like that. I ended up in the UK, and you and I met at a launch of the Toyota Yaris Hybrid. And we ended up getting along and getting in the same car. And we've kept in touch, and Lama came out. And we realized that there may be a spare seat in the car for <laughs> someone, because... Poor old Zog, he usually does this trip with us. His passport is still with Passport Authority in the UK. He's having it renewed. It never came back in time. So I put Chris on standby, knowing that he was going to be the kind of guy who would enjoy Le Mans. And consequently, here we are doing the trip. You enjoyed it? You enjoyed the cars? What have we seen so far then, Chris? Oh, it's been great so far. The cool thing is is that there's sort of a, an unspoken community of it coming from Britain into France so far, and you feel it. You see Ferraris, a lot of Porsches, Audis, uh, all sorts of things. We just drove by a Ferrari 360 Spider with two Elvises driving it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the bonus, because, you know, you look ahead and you see the distinctive rear taillights of the Ferrari, and that itself's a big enough treat. Then you pull up alongside them, and it's Elvis driving, and another Elvis in the passenger seat. It's a great image. It's great, and I expect to see more of that, too. It's a show, isn't it? You were saying something a moment ago about it being an event. Yeah, the journey to the event is an event in itself. I find that really interesting. I think I've said this before on the programme, that Le Mans is sort of in the tradition of French egalitarianism where the audience for the event are actually more than that they are participants in the event and the whole journey of driving there in a car and being surrounded by other great cars is as important as the race itself we just saw Testarossa didn't we? Yeah we saw Testarossa uh, right before that there was a, a Ferrari 430 Scuderia Ferrari Spider, I saw a Triumph there an Audi R8, a Lotus Elise just at that one petrol station 
We've seen some Astons. What else have we seen? Yeah, we've seen some Aston Martins. We saw a Lamborghini Murcielago. Saw a couple of TVRs at the station. And that must be a treat for you because I know that you're a sad car spotter like we are, but we're European sad car spotters. And when we go to the United States, we see cars that we don't get over here, and that gets us excited. For you, being in Europe, you're seeing all sorts of things that you don't see in the States. Oh, all over the place. Most of the cars I see, actually, we don't really get in the States, even some of the American brands, which is interesting. I've seen a lot of Peugeots, Renault, all that, that we just don't get. And uh, especially TVR, I was excited to see because I'm a big fan of the brand. And I had never seen one in person, having been from the States. So ever since being in Britain, I've seen a couple of them. And now coming down here, I see a couple more. It's really good to see. Well, I can guarantee we will see some TVRs on the way to La Salle probably broken down by the side of the road that's usually how it works and lots of other interesting cars as well i've got to go because i've got to concentrate on driving there'll be more from chris and me in a bit great timing we're just going through a tunnel there and the elvis ferrari 360 spider went past although we didn't catch that on the recorder then a 911 uh, that's an old 911 and then an aston martin db7 went by i don't know what the quality of the recording was like because i didn't manage to get the wind noise filter on the recorder as they went past but i'm hoping that worked We're still on our way to Le Mans. We're about an hour and a half away at the moment. And I think it's about this time we should tell you about the car that we've chosen to drive to the race in this year. As you know, it's a tradition of Gareth Jones on speed, and indeed many people who go to Le Mans, to drive there in a mark that races at Le Mans. And so this year, we've decided to come in a Toyota Group car. It's the Lexus CT. 200 you know the one the little posh prius i suppose is what it is it's a prius all dressed up to go to a party and we chose this car because of course toyota are racing at le mans this year and they've returned with a hybrid and as this car is a hybrid we figured it was very appropriate for the race even if it's not particularly sporty although this is the they call it the f sport version is that what they call this chris this trim yeah, the F-Sport with the, the fancy wheels and the aluminum pedals. But it's not really a sports car, as we've realised that CBT gearbox doesn't really want to go that fast. It's got us here. It's not terrible, and it looks cool. That's the important thing. It does look cool, actually. It does. <laughs> the, the wheels look cool. They, they save this car, don't they? They really do. Uh, uh, tell us a story of what just happened in terms of fuel. Go on. <laughs> well, we had just passed a petrol station when Gareth decided he would read the fuel gauge in the wrong direction. <laughs> Well, the Big fuel gauge seems to work right to left as opposed to left to right. And I thought it, we were gaining fuel. <laughs> so he said, how do we keep gaining fuel? And, and by that point, we had just passed the petrol station. Noticed that there's not another one for, how long was it? 20 kilometers. 20 kilometers when the fuel gauge light comes on. And we realized we didn't have any fuel, so we slowed down to about 40 miles an hour. Start talking about whether the EV mode's going to carry us the rest of the way. That was a concern, because at one point, I thought if we did run out of fuel then the small batteries in this car would allow the electric motor to get us to a fuel station, maybe 10 or 20 kilometres, as an EV, an electric car. 
But you read the handbook and it says it won't do that. Yeah, it seems like if it runs out of fuel, the EV mode won't allow the hybrid system to start up. We hadn't tested that. Luckily, we didn't have the opportunity to. So we got away from that one, but still without really knowing whether the car will run in EV mode after it runs completely out of fuel. Something asked Toyota. It was a bit of a worry. We got our speed down to about 40, 35 miles per hour and crept and crept and crept and made it to a fuel stop and put fuel in the car and then it overflowed when I put 35 litres in the car and the tank capacity, what did we say, it was 45 45, so we ended up having 10 litres. Which is what, I don't know, uh, at least 60 miles, 10 litres. Something like that, yeah. So even though the gauge said that we had zero miles of cruising range left to go, in reality we could have gone quite a bit further. And that's the perils of driving lots of different cars. This is literally the first day we've driven this car. We don't know how optimistic or pessimistic the fuel gauge is, but now we know when it says zero, you're good for another 60 miles. Yeah, well, we probably shouldn't test that. No, I have no intention to go through the anxiety of that again, ever. (laughs) Anyway, we're all set now. We're still en route. Hopefully, we will get there before dark. At the moment, it's 10 to 6 euro time which means that we should get the tent up before it's dark. It's been raining a little bit, but I think it's probably going to be dry. It seems to be brighter ahead than it is behind, so we should be all right. And when we get the tent up, we'll have something to eat. Then you know what happens, Chris? What? We go to see qualifying. (laughs) Late night qualifying at Le Mans. How exciting is that? It's 20 to 11 at night at Le Mans. As you know, they run qualifying on a Thursday evening, late into the night. This is the second of the qualifying sessions. I'm not actually certain who's where, because I've not got the headphones on to listen to the radio. But the spectacle of the cars is extraordinary. that we're in is a travel destinations campsite which is at the Porsche Curves where we often stay and this year they've moved the site even closer to the circuit when I say closer to the circuit if I tell you that when I started recording this I was standing outside our tent and in the time it's taken me to tell you this I've walked from our tent to the Porsche curves where you can see the circuit you realize just how close we are now Chris who's with me who's still learning about Le Mans but loves cars and knows his cars has never experienced Le Mans before and uh, I'm now standing next to him Chris how would you describe this experience well, when we first walked up here and saw the first car drive by, it was a 458 Italia, and I don't think I'm going to forget it. I uh, just kind of stood there slack-jawed for a minute and forgot I had food in my hand, to be honest with you. <laughs> it was the perfect scene. We got up, we got the tent up. I heated up a homemade mutter paneer that I'd cooked and frozen in London last night and reheated up. We were able... Corvette. We were able to uh, stand here and eat 
whilst enjoying the cars going round. It doesn't get better than that, does it? No, it's just wild. I mean, there's so many things going on right now. It's just, it's watching one small part of the track, but it's, it's just like the whole experience is just hard to explain. Let's leave you with a, a little bit of sound at the moment. That was an Audi, that silent sound there. There's an LMP2. Listen to this. That was a 911 followed by the Nissan Delta Ring. That was the two Signatech Nissans, one of them which I think Martin Brundle or Alex Brundle could be driving at the moment. What's this? What was that, Chris? That was definitely Corvette. I didn't have to look to know it. <laughs> and when the Audis go by, as you know... Oh, that's one of the uh, golf-coloured... Oh, gosh, I can't even remember what that was. <laughs> I really can't. But as the Audis go by, as you know, every year they seem to get quieter and quieter. But this year, because Audi are running a hybrid car, perhaps, I don't know, it's quieter than ever with the sound that the Audis make it's not like a car is it I didn't expect them to be that quiet I was surprised by how quiet they were it sort of sounds like a spaceship going by that's exactly it but the Delta Wing when it goes by it's very easy to spot because it's dark right now obviously because all the other cars have two white lights on either side of the wings at the nose The Delta Wing, when it goes by, has two narrow lights, like someone who's cross-eyed, then two wider lights on the sort of the rear wings. You know it's something special. Yeah. And you've seen close encounters of the third kind, haven't you? Of course. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It's like one of those little mini spacecraft that go through And you have that. to watch it as it goes by. Yeah. It's, it doesn't make a great sound, but it looks amazing, and it goes around corners without falling over. That was the Toyota and something else. That was the Audi. That was one of the Lotus badged Lolas. And the 911. Three GTE Pro-Am cars there. I think we'll call it at that because it doesn't get better than this. Actually, it does. Wait until you hear the race, Chris. You're going to love this. How do you like Malamon? <laughs> does it work for you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> when we first came up here, when the first car went by, Chris is standing here eating food, drinking beer. A car went by and he turned to me and he said, this is so awesome. And do you know what? It is. <laughs> Say goodbye, Chris. Bye. You've been listening to Gareth Jones on Speed. I know this has been a short show. But don't worry, there'll be another one from Le Mans 2012. I'll leave you with the sound of the cars going by. see pictures get song lyrics join our facebook fan site or follow us on twitter go to garethjones.tv 
Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>